0: Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Randy Ford.
1: And welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Our guest today is John Bentley from Power to Transform. And again, that's power, the number two, transform.com. John has been on with us a couple of times. It's always a nice conversation. So John, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Oh, Randy, I'm excited. Thank you for having me back. And I'm looking forward to sharing this journey we're going to have for a few minutes. What's been going on since we talked to you last? Well, I can tell you, I am mentally drained today. I just finished giving appraisal feedback to my employees, and I always enjoy it, but I also know that it's so critical and important to do and go about it in the right way that at the end of the day, my energy is drained. Yeah. Well, I I remember now that you mentioned this in one of our previous conversations, you
1: mentioned just some of the logistical prep that you do for these meetings where you uh, make sure that your email is off, your phone is unplugged, right?
0: Because you want the your employee to know that, that they have your full focus? Yeah, I think it's important to set up the environment and the, the way I like to do it, as you mentioned, I unplug my phone, my computer's turned off, my cell phone shut down because I want them to know that they're the most important person to me at that moment when they're in my presence. And that I think allows us to create a safe environment, but also it sets the opportunity for them to be open and share with me as I provide feedback about their performance.
1: What tone does that seem to set for them? Does the, do you notice them um, come into it more open-minded or more uh, eager for the, the meeting to be productive? Because there are a lot of workplaces where these meetings are either just perfunctory or they are negative experiences for all the parties involved. It sounds like you go out of your way to
0: change that. Well, I, I do. And also, I think it's important for our listeners to understand at least the approach that works for me is I don't have a lot of formal meetings just to meet. I'm communicating daily with the people that work with me either face-to-face or, or through our smartphones or through electronics. So they're well aware of their performance on a given project. And I always like to share with them that with our project plans, and we know where we're going and what our milestones are. When we have our periodic check-ins, if we, if we haven't hit our milestone, here's the question we ask ourselves. Is it something I control that I didn't do that could have hit the milestone? And if the answer is yes, okay, what do we need to do to adjust course and get back on task to meet that milestone? So it's not about what's wrong with you or you're terrible. I can't believe you've done this. It's a discussion about what happened. Now, what can we do to move forward? And if it's not within their control, well, then I need to step in and go, what resources do you need? What is out of your control? What support do you need? So we can let you get back on task and not become frustrated. So I think through those conversations, and then we meet quarterly and talk about performance when they come in, the only surprise that they really have. And I say this because I, I got told this today is, wow, you really took a lot of time to write this appraisal oh, that, wow. here's things on here that I didn't know the impact I was making. Like when you write a word that says solely responsible for this program, and that they're leading it, even though they're not in a formal role, they're responsible for managing it, keeping things on task, and keeping people informed, that you're sharing with them how they make a difference versus just doing what's written on the position description. And yeah. I think that helps, uh, helps them feel proud about their work and what they do. Yeah, I, and I'm thinking from the employee
1: position uh, that that must then also help them step up their responsibility and accountability throughout that quarter when they remember that the positive impacts and maybe the things that they need to work on have such an impact that it's in your mind
0: every day and to the point that you can remember it to get it on paper. Absolutely. Because most of the time I find that our employees don't necessarily know how to write or paint a true word picture of their performance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's critical versus just saying, I I trained X amount of employees and got a 4.85 out of a five on a survey. Okay, that, that, that's what we pay you to do. What happened after that? Did the employees go back and use that, change their behavior, have a business impact? So I get them to thinking in terms of what I like to call systems thinking. I've got a piece in a, in a big, long project or uh, that I'm working, but what, how does my piece impact the overall outcome of what we're trying to do for a customer delivering a service or a product? So I think I, I shared on our last podcast, I like to ask leaders, Are your employees mad? And if they don't know they're mad, you are part of the problem. And then I I hush because they're thinking now mad. Why would I want my employees mad? And then I go making a difference. Do they know beyond what they do daily that they're having an impact out here in the world? That they are mad. Absolutely. I, I know I was working with some HR personnel one time and just encouraging the people who were doing the hiring for firefighters. Getting Mm -hmm. them to go out and spend a day with the firefighters and ride their equipment, look at what they have to wear for protective gear, gave them a whole new insight on how to go about recruiting firefighters for those jobs. And it built a strong, positive, trusting relationship with the people they were doing the hiring for. So it's just little things like that of getting employees to realize... What they're doing beyond just showing up every day and pushing some papers or doing some emails. As you're talking about this, I'm remembering it's been
1: years since I had this experience. But there was a bonus form that would be circulated, you know, once a year, as as often happens in a workplace where I was. And one of the questions, I know it was not worded with with uh, bad intentions, but the question said. Sometimes we forget the contributions that every team member makes throughout the year. Now is your chance to remind us of those. And in middle management, I wanted that to be, I wanted it to be worded a little differently so that it didn't seem like there wasn't somebody paying attention every day or that I as a supervisor was not paying attention every day to what people were doing. So um, we did, we were able to make just a minor tweak in that, that I think reflects what you're saying of making sure that people remember uh, that, that you're watching them uh, throughout the quarter, whether it's, you know, with
0: uh, an, an eye to catch something bad or an eye to catch something positive. Yeah, I think that's very interesting because I was doing some consulting one time and I was down doing some focus groups with the employees and, and I, and I asked, how do you know when you've done something right? And it's like the employees started looking at each other, not knowing what to say. And then one gentleman raised his hand in the and says, well, I can tell you how I know when I've done something wrong. It's like bewitch twitched her nose and appeared right beside me and they were pointing it out, but they very rarely pointed out what went right. Right.
1: Yeah. How do you think, without talking about any of their specifics, how do you hope your employees are thinking back on their appraisal time today. You said it, you said it was draining for you. Uh, what's their experience like or what do you hope it's like when they go home and are at dinner talking about their day?
0: Well, I think what's beautiful about that is there's a couple of things I do that to get additional feedback after we talk about the appraisal and the write-up is I, I ask, what do you hope to accomplish? What are your goals both personally and professionally for this next year? And how do you think I can be a resource to help you accomplish that? So right again, I've turned it back around to them and their career path, because we know today that a lot of folks don't stay for 20, 30 years on a job anymore. They're looking to be able to move and grow. And so getting them talking about that and how I can help and I document that. But there's also, I close it out, a shift into another set of questions and I use the word stop, start, and control. And this is about gaining feedback from me on how I am perceived and what I can do better or continue to do well. So the first question is, what behavior do you want me to stop or what do you want me to stop doing that may be causing difficulty for you and or your teammates? And then we have that discussion. And then the next question is, what do you want me to start doing behaviorally? that would be a positive impact on you and are your teammates. So now I'm gathering two data points. And then the last question is, what do you want me to continue doing that is having a positive impact on you and your teammates? And I also ask if I can make notes throughout the process. So I'll gather that data, especially those last three questions, and I'll look for common threads. And then next week, I'll bring the team together and say, here's what I collected on the stop, start, continues, And here was the common thread in those. So here's my commitment to you. I need your support when you see me not doing that. I don't want you to go back to the past and beat me up, but feed forward. Hey, John, remember when our discussion and you said, hey, got it. Thank you for the reminder. Instead of waiting three months for that to come
1: up again as part of the conversation and then being filed away.
0: Well, I think one of the biggest things that is organizations struggle with today is helping employees and leaders feel psychologically safe enough to speak up, but we've got to help them speak up in a way, and you already know what's coming, truthful and kind. Yeah. And just getting people when they get feedback to say thank you, not justify, not defend, just thank you. And, and I'll share with you when when there was a stop today, one of the fe- one of the pieces of feedback I got, I really wanted to justify it. And I just kind of bit my lip and said, the only thing you say, John, is thank you. And when we can help people say thank you and then go back and reflect on that, then they can get clear for themselves how to go about changing that. Mm-hmm. The behavior, when I say that, the behavior.
1: I'm always fascinated to go back to your your Air Force days a little bit because I'm curious how this process is informed positively or negatively by the personnel review process within the military. And I know it's, it's changed a little bit, but is that something
0: that's mirrored in other workplaces today? I, I hope so. I can only tell you for me, what I chose to do was all the research tells us it's important for people to get feedback on their work performance. Cause if they don't get feedback on their work performance, they're going to make up stories about it themselves. They're going to, am I doing a good job? Am I not doing a good job? And what I learned from Chief White again is I've got to create an environment where you feel safe enough to tell me anything, how you think, how you feel, your ideas, and be able to listen to that without judging you, without treating you like a child and becoming a know-it-all parent. And if I can create that environment where you are self-motivated, I'm, you're going to give me more of your discretionary talents You're going to invest those talents in helping me achieve those goals. And when we do have to stop a task that we're on and jump on another one, you're more than likely to say, yep, I I know where I am. I realize that's important, but here's what the organization needs me to do right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, I I don't believe I can motivate anyone. I think all I can do is create the environment where people are motivated. Because I I remember um, a friend of mine, his, his dad got called to school Because he was making, I think he had three D's and and four F's on his report card. And the principal shared, your son's not motivated. Father said, well, I I beg to differ. He's not motivated possibly for school. And that's something I'll work on. But let me share with you what Rob is motivated to do. Did you know that he's purchased and refurbished three houses and he's renting them out and he's drawing X amount of dollars per month on those homes? So you see, people do things for their reasons, not mine. And when I know what those reasons are, and I connect those reasons to their talents and the organizational goals, which I work on to try to do that 50 to 60% of the time, because no job has a perfect fit, but we can help people see where their strengths fit in and also can help them know where they're going to burn more energy and other tasks that are required. Now they can lead themselves effectively in those moments and want to do it. It
1: strikes me that you, you know, you mentioned earlier about how the people leave positions more often now than, than maybe a generation or two ago. Uh, and tying those skills and finding what are the best things uh, for each individual to add to the organization is helping them grow in that way. Whereas maybe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but generations ago, there would have been some trepidation from management in encouraging people away from what their core functions are. Uh, if, if retention was something that they needed to to keep up uh, as opposed to accepting this reality that people aren't going to be there forever.
0: Well, I I want to go back kind of to thinking about with your comment about the industrial age, where everything was manufacturing and people came to job. and, And this is John's terms. I'm not saying it's true, but it was more robotic. I knew what my task was and I did it over and over and over and over. So if I lost one or two key people on that production line, it could impact the output that we want. See today, and, and Peter Drucker said this in 1995 that in the information age, knowledge worker age, wh- whatever we want to call it, that we are getting results by the way we think and collaborate and work with others. Therefore people have to be able to lead and manage themselves more than ever before because it's not a manufacturer base. It's how do we provide services and products and do that quicker and faster. Speaking of services, then,
1: how does all of this work in today's healthcare setting, where you do a lot of your individual and and organizational coaching?
0: One of the big things I'm I'm finding is that the the ability to adapt to constant changes, which they face every day due to regulation changes, resource cuts through Medicare, Medicaid, or reimbursements, as they call them, and the ability to collaborate and keep up with those changes is so key. So if I can't build rapport quickly, If I can't communicate and connect with you quickly, that means the ability to execute change is is going to be slowed down. And then what I see sometimes when that happens is in leadership tends to force what they want on the employees. So I think the key is to be able to understand, number one, how quick does this have to be done? Who do we need to be on board to help us solve that? And how do they need to operate and function to make that happen? And that sometimes is a miss when we bring a group together. What are our behavioral norms on how we're going to communicate and treat each other? Let's get those established. And then when things aren't going well, let's go back to those. Because that's where mutual respect can come in, especially if we know the outcome of what we're trying to achieve. I'll give you an example with a hospital I worked in. The discharge process for patients going back to a nursing home. It's three days was the max stay in the hospital. Well, they weren't achieving that. And they had lost $250,000 by keeping the patients for four or five days because they assumed the cost for that. And what we found out is the process wasn't broken at all. It was a communication and the handoff piece of when things should occur that was causing them not to get the patient discharged and where they needed to be. And so that $250,000 cost avoidance went away in the first quarter just for getting them to focus on how they were going to work together to determine what was wrong in the process. And and so that that's one way to go about that. And then that also was, of course, better for the patients
1: as well to get where they were needing to go. It is time for our insight to go. And as you know, this is anything that is on your mind, personal, professional, anything that you want to share, recommend.
0: Sure, soon after I was promoted with Chief White, I was sent in to conduct presentations for what we call a wing commander, which is similar to a mayor in a city. And four weeks in a row, I didn't do a good job. And my terminology here is I got ripped a new one. And of course, I took it personal and my self-esteem was still pretty pretty weak and low. And finally, I caught the gentleman one day and I said, Colonel, why are you ripping me a new one every time I brief you? And he said, Bentley Q-tip. Well, I thought, what the heck? Those things I clean my ears with have to do with this. Now, here you go. He got truthful and kind again. He said, John, quit taking it personal. Quit taking it personal, John. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the information I need to disseminate amongst these other leaders here in order for us to achieve our missions around the world. There's another thing I want you to realize, John. We have a huge economic impact on Midwest City and Oklahoma City. And the decisions we make here with resources determine how well we're going to meet that economic impact and support. So, quit taking it personal. I think a lot of times our reaction is is to take things personal because we feel threatened or I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, or who is you as an employee to tell me as a leader, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, when you take it personal, what you're going to do is find a way to defend yourself or leave the situation. So, just stop in that moment and ask yourself, how would the leader I'm want to be, do what I'm about to do. And when you focus on that behavior, what you really want from it versus to win, to be right, to save face. But when you focus on what would I do to be the leader I'm becoming, then you seek to understand, to listen, to build relationships, to gain trust. And trust is the fuel of any organization. Trust determines how fast an organization moves and how much it costs to get their work done. The higher the trust, the lower the cost. And the Q-tip? Quit taking it personal. Yep,
1: got it. Well, thank you, uh, John Bentley, for being here on the Success Insight podcast. John Bentley from Power to Transform Consulting. It's power, the number two, transform.com. We'll talk to you next time on the Success Insight podcast. Success
0: Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.